at the end of the day, we can we can go through all these process and expense for what? If you are not going to be willing to spend the money to do the repairs, then why spend the money finding out what you need to do? Now, and, and I try to be clear on that when I talk to to a client like that with, with a need like this, because because some clients expect and believe that, that the fix is a simple thing. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Placemaking Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. I'm excited to share this next conversation with all of you. This week, I have Rodolfo Lomez on the show. Rodolfo is a good friend of mine and branch manager at Giles Engineering Associates here in DFW. Rodolfo has been successfully managing the office here in DFW with Giles for over seven years now. His insights into managing successful projects come from an understanding in communication strategies and an enjoyment in discovering solutions to complex problems. The firm he works with, Giles Engineering Associates, is a national consulting engineering firm specializing in not only geotechnical, but environmental, subsurface exploration, construction monitoring, and materials testing services. With six regional offices across the U.S., they provide quality engineering solutions to 49 states. Their engineering philosophy is to provide all clients with innovative, economical, and practical solutions to their specific engineering needs with their time constraints and simultaneously provide them with the highest level of services. Now in this episode, we're going to go behind the scenes of the often misunderstood role of forensic engineers. We'll discuss the role of a forensic engineering firm on your project, what type of tests are performed by these types of firms, and when you might want to utilize these services. As always, if you have enjoyed the show, I'd ask that you please subscribe to the show and share with other friends that might be interested. There'll be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Rodolfo. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Likewise. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Of course. I've ga- I gave a little introduction prior to this segment about your background and a little bit about Giles, but could you just go into a little more detail about your background personally? Uh, your experiences, and then we'll kind of just dig into Giles, and then we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Well, uh, once again, thank you for having me. So uh, I'm Rodolfo Lomas. Uh, I'm the uh, branch manager for for Giles in Dallas. Um, I have about 20 years of experience, uh, most of it, if not all of it, here in, in the North Texas area, and uh, I'm a geotechnical engineer. Uh, PE in uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Like I said, we've been doing this geotechnical engineering thing for about 20 years. 
there's there's plenty to uh, to see and to do here in North Texas, and uh, because of the area that we cover here, uh, I've actually ventured to the surrounding states uh, around Texas, uh, including Colorado. So in terms of uh, forensic experience, I have been exposed to them since I started uh, here in North Texas uh, as a staff engineer. Uh, doing the actual work in the field, logging and sampling and, and turning hand augers, which is not fun, <laughs> and doing, uh, you know, measurements and, and most of that. And uh, as my career progressed, I got into more of the, you know, the management side of things and, and scoping and, and uh, you know, uh, talking to clients and, and being uh, the engineer responsible for projects. So, uh, there's always a good uh, number of those uh, during the course of a year. Uh, because of the conditions here in North Texas and, uh, and just because buildings experience uh, different issues. So uh, I don't have a number in terms of how many forensic investigations I have uh, been involved with, but I'm going to say 50 or so, you know, mm -hmm. just a, a, a fairly good number um, from small buildings where they're having issues with the floor to uh, to large warehouses uh, where the piers are heaving and hotels that are tilting and uh, anywhere in between or anything else in between. So. That, in a nutshell, is my experience, both in geotechnical and specifically in forensic investigations with a geotechnical perspective. Right, right. Interesting. I always like to talk to other civil and, and geotechnical engineers and ask that all-important question of why you wanted to be a, a civil or, or a geotechnical engineer. So go ahead and let me, let me hear what... Uh... All right. So... Um, I went to UTEP, uh, UT El Paso, and I got my bachelor's and my master's there. So I'll take you back to to my childhood. So yeah. uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect. I just thought it was cool to design things, and and I picture drawing and you know making <laughs> these uh, exuberant. Uh, uh, drawings um, and then when I was in high school uh, we had a program where professionals would come to our school and talk to us about different uh, professions you know mm -hmm. and these uh, structural engineer came to our to our classroom and he talked to us about structural engineering and I thought well that is pretty cool because <laughs> I can actually see, I thought anyway, uh, how a structure comes about, right? From the concept, through the design, through the construction, and I, I thought it was pretty cool. So mm -hmm. at that point I said, well, I'm going to become a structural engineer. And when I entered uh, college uh, as a general civil, my plan was to become a structural engineer until I took a geology class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, I loved it, you know, yeah. uh, starting learning about geology and, and how these type of rock came to be and these type of clay came to be and, and everything in between, how rivers shape the landscape and the different types of soils. And, uh, and I love that. So, uh, I, I actually transferred, uh, from structural to geotechnical and I started working in the school lab, uh, for geotechnical and I started getting my hands dirty and starting mm-hmm. to learn about it. And here I am. The rest is history, right? The rest is history. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love asking that question because a lot of times you get variations of the same kind of answer of wanting to build and and wanting to uh, create and uh, I, I always think it's interesting hearing what people say. So thank you. <laughs> oh, not a problem. <laughs> so kind of a little bit more about uh, Giles real quick. Um, can you tell me like what the footprint of of Giles is as far as is it regional or is it national and kind of more of what what uh, type of work that is what Giles handles really sure so Giles is a family-owned business uh, it is based in Wisconsin and the Giles family uh, founded this company uh, 43 plus years ago they are still running the company out of Wisconsin, and there are uh, different branch offices across the country. Uh, we are one of the branches. So we, we do cover the whole country, uh, not with as many offices as some of the other national companies. What we do is each office covers a bigger area. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why out of Dallas, we cover not only Texas, but the surrounding states, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, New Mexico, and Colorado. And lately, we've been going into uh, Missouri and Kansas. So it, it really depends on where our clients are building. We can always get on a plane and go where we need to go mm-hmm. uh, for them. Uh, so we do cover a big area here in Dallas, uh, but the company covers the whole country. Uh, we do mostly commercial type of work. Some of our biggest clients are uh, Chick-fil-A, Public Storage, uh, Kohl's, uh, BJ's, you know, that type of commercial retail warehouse clientele mm-hmm. uh, at the national level. At the local level, at least here in Dallas, uh, we work with d- different municipalities and with different school districts. And, and so we cover a good range of, of work. Uh, the only area of the business that we haven't entered yet is the uh, heavy uh, infrastructure, mm-hmm. like highways and railroad and, and that type of work. We do have in, an interest in, uh, in that. It's just that we need to set up our lab and we need to do di- different things to enter the market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but other than that, anything from commercial to residential, uh, that's the type of work that we do. Gotcha. So the focus of this show uh, is, is forensic engineering specifically. Could you give us a high level 
basically description of what forensic engineering is, at least what what you guys uh, handle there at Giles, and then kind of what are some common applications of this type of engineering for for the layperson listening? Sure, and, and I think forensic engineering is it's such a I mean, it covers everything. So you will probably get a different perspective like from me on the geotechnical side than you would from a structural engineer uh, because we're dealing with different things, although part of the same problem, if you will, mm-hmm. but uh, dealing with different things. So in my opinion, the, the biggest, uh, the most important thing about a forensic investigation is to understand the purpose of it because it it can mean literally an infinite number of things so you have to have a good uh, sense of what you're trying to find out uh, so that you can in turn have a a focus approach to the remedy otherwise Mm -hmm it's all scattered everywhere and, and is not efficient uh, or cost effective for anybody. So uh, from the geotechnical perspective, because we are dealing with something that is, is not visible, right, is underground, experience counts a lot and sampling is, is critical. And there's always the balance of how much is too much. Mm-hmm. sampling that's the line that 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 we always uh, tell when when we go through uh, forensic investigations because without sampling really we have nothing you know mm-hmm. we we cannot uh, address the problem if we don't understand what we're dealing with first so i i don't have an exact definition of what it means uh, to do a, a forensic investigation but the application of it is is very broad because like i said it can be that your house is you know your your doors are not closing so there's there's some issues on the floor slab or it can be that a retaining wall is failing or it can be that your 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 peers are coming up and and that is causing problems not only at the ground level but on on the floors above it uh, it, it's just uh and I, I don't know if i went too off topic but no, no uh, that's good but um but it, it it's it's a very broad topic and uh, it can mean a lot so essentially it's after something's been constructed or in the process of being constructed a problem arises essentially where either something was different than what was shown, uh, you know, in the initial study, or there's something that wasn't accounted for geotechnically, and then problems arise, like you said. At that point, people typically might look to hiring a forensic engineer to identify what potential problems happened or, or what occurred. Is that essentially? Yes. So, so the, the, the typical calls that we get uh, f- on the forensic side is after 
the user or owner or occupant of a building or a structure starts noticing cracks or 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 significant uh, changes in the structure that they can see that starts to impede the normal operation of a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's cosmetic when you see cracks on the walls. Sometimes it's a more serious thing, like say the warehouse, the, the floor starts to um, be uneven in some areas and then that impedes the, the movement of forklifts, for example. So that's when, when there are problems, that's when people start, people start looking at, at, at a forensic analysis. And uh, for buildings, both the geotechnical and the structural approach come hand in hand because one affects the other. Mm-hmm. And, and so the challenge is to find out to what extent uh, the geotechnical part of it is, is the culprit. Because when you're dealing with, like I said, with soils, uh, the soil is what it is. But since the soil behaves differently uh, based on different factors such as how it was placed, when it was placed, the moisture content, uh, the amount of of debris that may or may not be in the soil. So all those factors and others affect how it behaves. So what may have happened five or ten years ago might not be the same situation that you have now. And so the, a building might have been designed for conditions at that time, but if those conditions change underneath, then of course there's you know the difference in, in conditions is going to be reflected on the upper structure. Mm-hmm. So we we go when people call us for a forensic analysis. Uh, the first thing we do is is a walkthrough of the property and uh, uh, with the owner and uh, you know look at the concerns from their perspective. From that point, and based on our experience, we can kind of correlate. Well, this issue is usually related to this other issue, and then we look for those other factors that that can start painting a broad picture of, of everything. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes the issues are not limited to the building. Sometimes the issues such as grading, for example, are related to mass grading in the area around it. Mm-hmm. So if you if you sit at a low point uh, and you have water issues, then the problem might not necessarily be your structure, right? But water just tends to flow your way, and so how you address that? So um, that's typically when when we get these calls, and uh, and we try to help them in any way we can. Uh, mm-hmm. So. You mentioned you've probably done around 50 of these. What are the common types of geotechnical failures that you that you see? I guess more so based on your experience. So there are two two common things that happen. Uh, the, the universal thing is water. Water in terms of soil is not your friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, because you know water weakens the soil, right? 
And in the case of uh, North Texas clays, not only does it weaken the soil, but it makes it to heat, right? Mm -hmm. So that's problem number one. That That is the universal, regardless of which soil type you're, you're dealing with. Uh, water is not your friend in terms of soil. The other very common problem is operator, meaning, like I was saying, how it was compacted, how it was placed. And sometimes it's very hard to determine that because uh, depending on the age of the building, there may or may not be records of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all you're left with is speculation and educated guesses based on what you see. So those are the common uh, factors involved that we see. The common uh, results of those types of issues are, like I said, cracks on the, on the floors, uh, cracks on the walls, uh, tilt walls that are bulging, even separation of the roof joists. Uh, in one case, one recent case we did last year, even um, uh, leaking of the roof because the roof started separating from the tilt wall. And so it was raining inside because, you know, uh, the, the, there was a gap there. So uh, those are the typical things um, uh, that, that people notice when they get nervous and then call us. Gotcha. So a lot of our, a lot of the people that listen utilize some adaptive reuse buildings. Uh, and I'm sure... A lot of these were built, you know, post World War II. That they are mm -hmm. a lot of the downtown adjacent type properties. Is there a certain time when like you would call a forensic engineer? Would it be when you see those types of things uh, when they impede your your normal business? Is that really the time to call? Is that is there a proactive way to have somebody check this out or is that just part of your entitlement process that you should just have somebody somebody check your building foundation the slab everything else uh or or should you bring somebody on maybe of a higher uh competency in, in those areas does that make sense yes and, and that's a complex uh, uh scenario so and, and we always tell this to, to the owners, to whoever is hiring us, um, it's, it's really dependent on the owner tolerance. So if you can tolerate that your building is moving one inch, then you're fine. But if that's an issue for you, then it's not okay, you know? And, and so it's really depend on, it's really dependent on the owner tolerance and, and the, uh, the facility uh, uh, tolerance for whatever it, is it was designed for. Um, the other thing to consider there is that a lot of the issues that we deal with here on the forensic side, uh, like I said, are uh, affected by water. Mm -hmm. And here in North Texas, we go through extremes. Like we just had the, I believe, the wettest three months to start of a year ever or in a long time. Mm -hmm. 
but then we can have three or four months of 100 degree days with no rain whatsoever. So we do have those extremes within the year. So like right now with this much water, if if your building is dealing with expansive soils and water somehow it's finding its way down there, you're probably experiencing heaving right now. So you may see those cracks, you may see the doors not closing, you may see some of those things. Mm-hmm. But if you have been in that building long enough and it doesn't really affect the structural integrity of the building, then you probably have seen some of those uh, movements come down a little bit in the summer. And so you kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can live with, you know. Based on tolerance, yeah. Based on tolerance. And, and so it becomes more of a cosmetic thing. You have that crack and, and you know it's there and, and it'll widen and it'll close with the seasons. Mm-hmm. When when things start to, yeah, now I'm talking small hairline cracking. When things start to, to show, uh, you know, a big gap or, or a big trip hazard, then that, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is cyclical. And uh, like most, most houses uh, have some sort of cracks on the walls. Uh, really don't call a structural engineer or a geotechnical <laughs> engineer for that. Right. Uh, the house is not going to fall down, right? Now, if you are operating a, a hospital or a, you know, a, an x-ray laboratory where the equipment is very sensitive. So when to call, it's really a matter of tolerance. Uh, okay. So you've, you've done about 50 of these now. What has been the most interesting geotechnical forensic engineering uh, study that you've done? And, and kind of what were the results of that? What what was resolved from that study? Well, I can name you a few. Um, <laughs> uh, the very first one that that impacted me, this was some years ago, was uh, a four-story hotel in Irving. Uh, Irving, Texas, especially in Las Colinas, uh, that area is notorious for having very bad soils that, that heave a lot. So anyway, we were called to this uh, hotel because uh, they noticed that water was starting to uh, to overflow one side of the pool. So mm-hmm. the swimming pool area, the deck was was shifting so much that <laughs> the water was overflowing wow. on one side of the pool. Okay, wow. so they, they let it go a long time for that to happen. <laughs> was this <laughs> just curious? Was this uh, at the ground level or was this uh, elevated okay the ground level so uh, obviously they they had issues and so we went there and what we did to first to understand the magnitude of of the problem is we did uh, an elevation survey of everything Mm -hmm. everything around it and every floor 
of the of the uh, of, of the building. So there I was with my zip level, and I was getting into every room of every floor, <laughs> doing the corners and doing you know fixed uh, spots uh, to do the baseline survey, and then we did it a few times after that to monitor. Wow. The, the most notable thing that we found uh, there is uh, knowing that the, the, the soils are very expensive there. During construction, they did not do a good job of mitigating that. Mm-hmm. Uh, ways of mitigation could be to remove that soil and bringing better soil or somehow treat the existing soil to reduce its uh, capacity to heave. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. <laughs> and, and so they were having those problems. Not only did, did they not address the soil issue very well, but on the construction side, uh, the hotel building was also heavily tilted. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, and what we found was that during this building was supported on piers. Okay. And the piers, when they built the piers, they did not do a good job on, at the top to keep the, the cylindrical shape of the pier all the way up to the beam. So what they had was a mushroom of concrete mm-hmm. on top. Mm-hmm. And so that, the, the clay was just having a, a ball there because <laughs> as it was heaving, it was pushing that mushroom. It had more surface area to exactly. Yeah. Wow. So it did, I believe I can't remember, but, but I, I believe it was four or five inches out of level, and uh, and so that was pretty bad. Now, that, and that's what I'm saying. That that problem, a lot of it could have been prevented at the construction. Mm-hmm. You know. So they they didn't do a good job with the piers. They didn't do a good job with the with the soil. Uh, so on the pier side, there was very little to do mm-hmm. because you had, other than tearing down portions of the of the building and and redoing it, you know. So once a structure heaves, especially that much, and especially a multi-story structure, it's very difficult to bring it down. So the best you can do is try to level it off of the other end, which is what they did. Uh, On the deck side, on the pool deck, uh, that had to be rebuilt. Basically, shut it down for some time, remove the deck, do some reworking, and uh, and just basically redo it. So very costly, very expensive, very uh, frustrating, I'm sure. But it was either that or or just you know have your building out of tilt and your your pool leaking. <laughs> you yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Now uh, another one another one we did we did a, a, a similar situation. Uh, a gold store and this this building had uh, a, a difference in elevation up to eight inches 
on the edge. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so we did a survey, we did a series of surveys of the whole store, and we were doing those at night when they closed uh, because we needed the whole survey without shutting down the, the store. Uh, and so we did the, the whole uh, floor, and we did borings inside and borings inside. We installed moisture sensors mm-hmm. at different levels to monitor the moisture. Uh, because we believed water was coming under the building from the outside. And so we did that for about a year. And uh, sure enough, uh, the, the moisture content changed with the rain. Mm-hmm. Right after big rains, that moisture content inside of the building changed. Mm-hmm. And so there was water coming down under the building. And, and so what we recommended was uh, basically a, a, a huge drain around the perimeter mm-hmm. to capture that water. Uh, but unfortunately, inside, the slab was so broken uh, that there was no remedy but to, to redo it, at least sections of it along the edges. Wow. Yeah, they had to shut down parts of the, uh, of the store during our our analysis because uh, ceiling tiles started to fall <laughs> so the separation wow yeah, yeah it, it was really bad and uh, how so, old was that building just curious I think the building was from the 90s okay and and uh, I believe in looking at the historical documents and from conversations with the Coles people that building, when they built it, they wanted to use the same design that they used in other parts of the country against the recommendations of the local people. Genetic, yeah. And, yes. And uh, it cost them. Wow. Really. <laughs> That's insane. Yes. Jeez. How, uh, do you have any idea what the, the impact financially was for that or i i do not know how much they ended up paying for the whole thing but a lot (laughs) a lot to to repair it and like i said at least during the course of our analysis which was about a year uh parts of the store were shut down close to the public because ceiling tiles were falling down and uh, they didn't want any anybody getting hurt or you know just they just shut it down and mm-hmm. so they were able to move clothes from that section to another area but it, it turned into a, a not very pleasant place <laughs> experience shut, you yeah. know yes so i'm sure it cost them a lot probably more just revenue yeah and you know Wow. So they needed to fix it, and, and they did eventually. So interesting. Yeah. Those are some those are some good stories because <laughs> you can kind of see how important it is one to have good consultants on board if yeah. you are starting ground up. You know your your GC, your sub consultants, your subcontractors are all extremely important to the success yes. and future success of your your structure and. And, and to also listen to your sub-consultants as well. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I've seen this in a, with a number of, of clients over the years, uh, you know, when, when they are expanding into North Texas, they have a lot of these are, are chain stores and they have their design that they use. Same size, same everything, right? Mm-hmm. And they just build it in different sides. And then they come here, and in, especially in certain areas of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they want to use a design that that is just not the best time mm-hmm. for these types of soils, at least foundation ones. And uh, I can think of another instance where where that happened, and uh, they kept trying to use shallow footings because that's what they always used uh, and they built a couple this way until they finally figured out you know they were having issues mm-hmm. they finally figured out yeah this this thing is not working out here and, and they yeah. started uh, listening to our recommendations uh, and and so uh, it, it is important to listen to the local consultants right and that can be a very expensive lesson to learn for somebody at <laughs> It, it has been, you know, because yeah. in the in the scheme of things, the geotechnical work is a fraction of the cost. It's not the main cost for for your uh, development. So spending a little bit more at the beginning on the geotechnical side will save you a lot down the road, mm-hmm. uh, as it has been proven time after time when when you start seeing these these problems. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, what what interests you the most about this field of of forensic engineering as it relates to geotech? What what gets you going? I guess on on that front. Well, it's the the analysis and observation part of it because you're you're going backwards, right? You have a building. It was designed a certain way with a certain expectation, but now you have this, right? Mm-hmm. Something happened in between <laughs> that, that that caused that. So it, it's a little bit of a mystery, and it's, it's the going backwards and investigating, okay, what was the point of designing this this way? Um, was it designed that way? Uh, was it built that way? And then the and then looking at the external factors. So um, maybe when that building was built, there was nothing around it. But now there's other development around you. That changed the grading, that surface grading. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it changed other things. So so it is the putting the pieces together. To, to paint a picture of what potentially happened to end up where you end up. Uh, that's the most uh, rewarding um, and interesting part of it, with the caveat that you know that whatever result you come up to is going to be very costly to it. <laughs> True. But it's it's either do that or do nothing and obviously do nothing doesn't work by the time they they get you involved right interesting yeah problem solving is fun for 
most engineers. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. What do you think has made you successful there? Your branch manager at Giles, you, know, you said you have a, a large territory there. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the, if you had to condense it down to one one thing, what do you think has made you uh, successful at, at what you're doing? I think is the the genuine desire to help whoever is calling. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I believe there are issues in the industry as far as um, what the expectation is from our services, and and I believe is our own fault as an industry. So what I try to do is I try to understand what your need is and then try to educate you on what I can and cannot do mm-hmm. so that you have a clear expectation of, of, of what's coming. And what I find out is a lot of times uh, the owners and clients uh, giving us a call for a forensic analysis um, I mean, this is the first time they have to deal with it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So a lot of times, they don't even know what to expect or what to look for or what they're what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's our job as engineers to educate them in that sense, you know, and and go step by step. This is likely what is going to happen, and this is likely what is happening, and this is the end result potentially. And so, and, and going back to the, the beginning when I said setting up the expectation, uh, I think that's a very, very important uh, part of this because at the end of the day, we can, we can go through all this process and expense for what? If you are not going to be willing to spend the money to do the repairs, then why spend the money finding out what you need to do now <laughs> And I try to be clear on that when I talk to to a client like that with, with a need like this, because because some clients expect and believe that that the fix is a simple thing. Mm-hmm. So when they start, they they say, well, yeah, just tell me what it is and I'll do it. Until you tell them what it is. <laughs> yeah, until the price tags come and out. Price tag and, and disruption in services and all this stuff. So I think that's key, you know. In, mm-hmm. When approaching these at the very beginning, that has to be explained. Educate whoever you need to educate. And, and I think clients and owners appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So communication, yes. managing expectations. Uh, a lot of times that's difficult for mm-hmm. us uh, as a profession. I'm not quite in the same field but uh, you know technical professionals as a whole it's hard to communicate often um, the technical aspects with the non-technical and and yes. i think that's a that's a great point that yeah. you uh, you believe that's led you to uh, to greater success is, is being able to do that that's that's interesting yes yes because a lot of them like i said they they know of issues but they don't understand what's happening and, and well that's one of the reasons they they call so mm-hmm. that's very important awesome 
Well, I really appreciate your time, Rodolfo. This has been this has been a great experience. I've learned a lot myself, and I hope I hope that others have as well. I wanted to thank you for your time. Hope you have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk later. <laughs>